It's Mother's Day. And so very appropriate to celebrate things like this in family. Hard to follow announcements like this and times like this. But we're going to. We're going to, to press on. Last year, there was a movie that came out that was, was titled Mars Needs Moms. I don't know if anyone saw it. I haven't found very many people that actually watched it. Um, so not necessarily a big box office hit. But the premise of the movie was really fascinating because the idea behind the movie was that on Mars, the community there, all the moms had ended up going out of the home and doing other things. And so they had these little nanny bots that raised their children. And, and what they realized at some point, you have to realize it's Mars, what, what they realized is that robots didn't make good moms. There were, there were things about motherhood that the little nanny bots just couldn't replicate. And so their, their kids were struggling. And, and so what they did was they came to Earth and they tried to pick a good mom. And then they would take her to Mars and try to somehow figure out what made her a good mom and, and instill this in the nanny bots. I think they still sort of missed the point of, of that it, you need a mom. But the, the, the premise really was that you need a mom. That moms provide something unique. Moms provide something that is extraordinary in the life of their children. And this morning I would agree with that premise. And as we, we come to God's Word, we come this morning to honor mothers but also to learn from mothers, to learn how God has created moms in a unique and special way to train their children, to disciple their children. On Father's Day, we'll do the same thing and look at that father's unique role. But we love Mother's Day, don't we? Lots of cards, flowers. I mean, if you went to the flower shop this morning to try to get something, chances are they were all sold out. And so we love celebrating Mother's Day, and it's the right thing to do But the question in my mind this morning is, as a culture, do we honor motherhood? We celebrate moms, but do we honor motherhood and all that God made motherhood to be? We have a a number of things. You know, when moms are asked what they do, and if they're a homemaker, isn't that a little stressful sometimes, mom? What, What do you say? One, one wife of a, a preacher, a, a um, traveling speaker said, um, he, she went to a, a, an event and there was sociologists there and all these highfalutin people and someone came to her and said, my dear, what do you do? So her answer was this, I am socializing two homo sapiens and the dominant values of Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments in the transformation of the social order into the teleological prescribed utopia inherent in the Escalon. What do you do? (laughs) I'm a lawyer. Just wasn't that impressive after we began to realize what a mom's role actually is. We're in a culture where that's challenged. We're in a culture where people sometimes look down on being a homemaker when it is the most honorable profession that a mom can do. When we have TV commercials that sometimes show moms that, that I saw one that the mom said, you know, I can't wait till the kids are gone because then I can do what I want to do. My heart broke. My heart broke because it's forgetting the impact of motherhood. You know, there's all kinds of things in the news this week about our our president supporting same-sex marriage. 
and some of the issues there, but one statement caught my attention when he said, I have friends that are, are cohabitating and raising children together and raising children well. And that's a little bit of a knock on fatherhood and motherhood that there's a difference, that there's things that each bring to the table that are unique and cannot be replicated. And so we need to stand firm that moms are important. Moms are to be honored. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them with different responsibilities and with different abilities that represented His character. And those are the things that they bring to the marriage relationship that they bring to the home. Today I'd like to focus on some of those traits, specifically for moms. And we'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and We'll, we'll look at half the text today and we'll look at half the text on Father's Day because Paul here is defending his role as a pastor. He had been to Thessalonica, started the church, and because of some persecution had abruptly left. And what some people had come along and said, see, he left, he didn't really care for you because that's what some of the, the itinerant preachers did of the time. They'd come around, preach for a while, collect some large offerings, move on. So what was their goal? The money. And, and Paul, people were starting to accuse Paul of the same thing. You came, you ministered to us, you left quickly. Obviously, you didn't care about us. You weren't here to minister. You were just same as everyone else. And so we come to 1 Thessalonians 2, and, and Paul is giving a defense of ministry. But in so doing, he's describing what ministry looks like. He's describing some of the characteristics and he uses both motherhood and fatherhood as a symbol of ministry and what it means to minister. In, in a, a fascinating way, he honors moms and he honors dads. And as we've been talking about discipleship, we've been ta- talking about how to minister to each other. How do we disciple each other? How do we say that's not just the pastor's job, that's my job to train up the next generation of Christians and to encourage and hold each other accountable? And so we come to this passage today with really words for each of us. How do we disciple? What do we learn from mom about discipleship? What do we learn from dad about discipleship? It's easy to come to this passage and to say, well, you know what? I'm off the hook for half of those things. Because I'm either going to be a mom or, or a dad. I'm, I'm not going to be both. And so I'm off the hook for both. I'm just going to listen to the dad stuff and I'm going to put that into practice. Or I'm just going to listen to the mom stuff and I'm going to put that into practice. It's interesting that Paul here is saying that these both characterize his ministry. And they both give us a full picture of what it means to disciple and to invest in someone else's life. So as we talk today and as we talk Father's Day and and look at discipleship through the eyes of mom and dad, I encourage you to hear the other side. So today, men that are here, boys that are here, this is for you in two ways. Number one, it gives you ideas of what to honor your wife or your mom about today. If you're wondering what to write on the card, the four things we're going to talk about today would be great places to start. Great places to honor mom and and your wife. But the other aspect of it, men, is that the things today are things that don't come naturally to us. And so these are things that we have to work harder at because they are part of ministry. They are part of ministry. And so as we come to the text, think in those two ways. How can I honor my wife? How can I honor my mother? 
but also how can I disciple better? How can I minister better? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'd like to read the text together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to start at reading at verse 5 and then really focus on 6 through 9. But starting at verse 5. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. We have the first half of the section. So this morning we want to look at four things we can learn from that about how a mom disciples and what we can learn about discipleship from a mother. The first we see in the second half of verse 6 and into verse 7 there, gentleness. Gentleness. A mother nurtures with gentle care. Let me read that again, starting at the second half of verse 6. Though we could have made demands as, an apostle, as, an, as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And that section, even though it may be punctuated differently in our English Bibles, that section is really one sentence. It's one thought. And it's a contrast here of what they could have done as apostles to what a mom does, which represents how they should minister couple of words that I want to point out in verse 7. But we were gentle among you. But we were gentle among you. And Paul here is using the imagery of a new mom that has her new baby and she's nursing her new baby. And that moment of, of tenderness, that moment of gentleness, that precious moment that is a bond between mom and baby. And he describes it with the word gentle. Gentle. And we know that this word, there's a number of words for gentle, but this one, there, there's um, trying to, it could be one of two words in Greek, and one of the words means gentle, and the other means like a baby. And really, aren't they pretty much saying the same thing? Because the idea here is, is that a mom has a way of coming down to her baby's level of coming down and relating with her baby, even though they can't share any, any speech yet, even though the, the baby's just sitting there going like this, like we saw Emma doing, there's a, there's a bond there that the mom is acting like an infant with an infant. And that doesn't mean immature. That means coming to what is appropriate actions for that child. And that's how Paul here describes gentleness. It's having strength but under control. It's being calm and peaceful when the world is falling apart around. When the child is screaming and there's no way to figure out why. Gentleness comes and cares anyway and is tender anyway. So Paul is saying, we were like babes among you. We didn't come to demand We didn't come to force. We came to gently care. To bend low. And moms, this morning I honor your gentleness. 
I honor your gentle spirit. See, the, the way that you can come to a child and, and understand that child and do the right things to bring that child to the next step is so foreign to me sometimes. I'll just say it. I, I, when, it when a child won't eat, I just want to say, eat, child. And it doesn't work. They cry harder. I'm like, just eat. Stop crying. Whereas a mom will come alongside and say, what's wrong? What, what's what's going on here? Okay, and make make the environment just right for eating, and and it's amazing, and that is a gift that God has given you, moms, and that's the picture Paul is using for ministry. As a mom gently figures out the needs of her baby, and figures out how to meet those needs, that's what someone ministering in the church does. That's what a discipler does. It's so easy to come alongside people we're ministering to and say, just eat, child. Just figure it out. Just walk with God. Why are you making mistakes? And it's not the picture that Paul gives of what ministry is about. Ministry is about taking where people are at and helping them take the next step to the next level. We wouldn't expect a baby to eat steak. We expect a baby to eat baby food. And so when Paul says, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, that's the picture of how we disciple. The picture of the tone in which we disciple. The picture of the process. That it's more about the process than demanding a certain result. Because moms, you know that demanding a certain result without the process fails, right? You are so good at that. Isaiah 66.13 says, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And we see God using a, a mother as an example of His comfort because moms represent God's character just as, as dads do. Thank you, moms, for your gentleness, for your care. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother, and the word is specifically a mom with an infant nursing, gently caring for her children. And the word for caring there is another one to pull out. It's a a great passage because it was a word that was used of a bird sitting on a nest with eggs in it. And what a great picture of a mom caring for her family. Because what happens if you sit on the nest too hard? The eggs are cold. Boom! The eggs break. And, And you don't have the nurture, you don't have the care, it's not gentle. But what happens if the mom never comes and cares for the eggs and sits on the eggs? They get cold and they die. And so moms, the gentleness that you show is that balance between knowing that there needs to be care, but knowing that it needs to be done in a gentle way. We can learn a lot from you about discipleship. There needs to be care, but done in a gentle way. Our kids recognize this. Last night, Mark was was jumping on the trampoline. I mean, one of my kids was jumping on the trampoline. (laughs) Oh man, I'm going to owe him a quarter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of my kids was jumping on the trampoline and decided it would be a really good idea to dive off the trampoline. We have boys that are boys, and I love it. 
And so, but, but he had, you know, watched enough shows that he knew that if he rolled at the end, that would be a little better. And so he goes diving headfirst off the trampoline and he rolls at the end. And the next thing is so predictable because he comes running in crying. He had, he had, there was blood coming out of his elbow and, and all this stuff. And, and he comes and I, I'm the first one closest to the door and he avoids me. And he goes around the table, around our guests that were there, to get to Mommy. Why? Well, because Mommy took him in her arms and was gentle and caring with him. And and I have to fight the tendency to say, there's not a lot of blood. I don't see any bones sticking out. Go with God. (laughs) And that's the gentle care of a mom. And she was able to comfort him and send him back out. And he knew. He knew. And I think as we ask people to disciple people, as we are discipled by people, we need to remember that gentleness. We need to remember how to find people where they are and bring them to the next step. That's what it means to minister in this way. To feed and correct through gentle care. See, the, the thing with an infant, force-feeding usually doesn't work. It just makes them angrier. But you have to feed them. And so what Paul is talking about here is a tone, a tone in which we minister, a tone of gentleness and patience. So the first thing we see out of this passage is, moms, your gentleness, your gentleness. The second thing we see of how moms disciple and how moms influence discipleship, how that influences ministry, is affection. Affection. Read with me verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And if you look at that verse, it's actually sandwiched between affection at the beginning and love at the end, right? with the results of that in the middle. And that's done intentionally. That's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to talk about how Paul was ministering and how he was reflecting motherhood. Affection. A mother's actions are motivated by deep affection and love. By deep affection and love. And it's interesting because Paul uses two different pictures here at the beginning of the verse and the end of the verse. He starts with, so being affectionately desirous of you. And this was a term that they would use of a mom with a nursery, a a child in the nursery, or of parents with a child of nursery. And it, it wasn't agape here. That's what's used at the end of the verse, because you had become very dear to us. The beginning here is a word for love that isn't one we normally think of, but literally is a, a parent desiring a young child with affection. And so you you see a couple of things that Paul is saying here. He is saying, I have a constant yearning for you. I have a constant desire for you. I'm constantly thinking about you. Moms, is that true when your kids are out late? You don't know where they are? Yeah, lots of lots of head nods. It's hard when you don't know where they're because because you have this kind of affection. You're, you're wondering where they're at. They're, you're praying that they're safe. They're never out of your mind. 
on one of the, the tombstones that they found of the time. They found this word. It's, it's not used very commonly, but they found this word on a tombstone of a mom and dad who had lost a young child. And this was what was their, their emotion for their child, their love for their child was described as. And I know that's sort of a heavy thing to think about on Mother's Day, but what a picture of, of what God is saying ministry is to be like. I yearn for you constantly. I desire you. And so we see two concepts, a deep affection out of that word and a constant yearning and a continual delight. Susie and I get some opportunities from time to time to go out without the kids. And it's amazing, after a couple hours, the question is, I wonder, wonder how the kids are. I wonder if they've tied up the babysitter and put them in the corner yet. No, no, they don't do that. So if you want to babysit, it's still okay. Um, <laughs> but the, why does a mom's thoughts go there? Why do their thoughts go there? Because of that constant yearning and that constant love. Moms love their kids. They love the pictures on the fridge. They love the different gifts that they're going to get today, even if they're handmade. In fact, doesn't the fact that they're handmade make them better? Because it's about the love. It's about the affection. Now think about this. We, we can all understand that in moms, but Paul here is saying that that's how ministry should be. That's how, that's how ministry of a pastor should be, but of every believer who's discipling and in ministry because ministry belongs to every one of us. And so we have a picture here of unselfish love that motivates action, of affection. When we come to discipleship, the goal here is that kind of relationship where we genuinely care and have affection and are thinking about who we're discipling. Great way to think of it when we think of discipleship is to think of parenting. Of parenting. And what kinds of attitudes would I have toward my children? What kind of affection would I have? That is what God wants us to build in who we're discipling. You see, we cannot minister to each other without love. Paul in 1 Timothy 1.5 says the goal of our instruction is love. And we see that throughout Jesus' ministry, that love and that care is part of ministry. If you try to minister to someone and they don't think you care about them, just, just pack up and do something else. Because if they don't think you care about them, you cannot disciple them. It is that important. And it's that important that we learn from moms here. I know, men, we don't like to use words like affectionately desirous and very dear to us. So maybe as men, when we're discipling, we need to think, man, they mean a lot to me. It's a very manly thing. But moms, you're, you're teaching us what it means to disciple and what attitudes we should have. And so we honor you this morning for your affection, your unconditional affection, that care for all of us as we disciple one of the parts of our prayer should be Lord God give me the heart of a mom men and women give me the heart of a mom for this person help me to be thinking of them constantly how to include them praying for their growth praying that God will do a work in their lives So we see from this passage, Paul is referring to a mom's gentleness 
in describing ministry in that way. He's referring to her affection in describing ministry in that way, that her, her actions of being ready to share the gospel in herself are because of her love, because of her affection. And third, we see a personal, complete investment. I thought of just using the word investment, so we had one word for each category, but that just didn't seem to capture what a mom does in a child's life. It's more than just an investment. It's, it's, it's a complete investment that takes her whole person. It's a personal investment that is out of love and care as she puts herself out for her children. And we see that in verse 8 as well, the middle portion of verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. It's a significant phrase. I would underline that. Paul says, we were willing to pour ourselves into you. And and the word there isn't just life. It isn't just my time. It refers to your whole being, everything you are. And so it's this vulnerability of a a mom, and, and Paul's still using the imagery of motherhood, this vulnerability of saying, everything I I am, I'm pouring into being a mom. Isn't that true for moms? Isn't it everything you do? It's really not an eight-hour job. Punch the clock, go home. it's, It's everything you do, and that is why it is so powerful. And so we see moms here are willing to disciple through their very lives. It's a personal, complete investment. A mother disciples through her very lives. Because did you catch the first part of of the first phrase of what investing their lives is compared to? We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, the truth of God, knowledge of God, but also our own selves. And Paul is using both of those to describe discipleship and ministry to say it's not just about passing on the information, it's about living in a way that reinforces that, that teaches that. And this comes back to our ingredient of discipleship, of personal relationship. Moms rarely teach kids just through verbal instruction. They do that as well. That's part of it. But moms teach kids through their very lives, through how they respond to things. And that's so important to children who sometimes, and and all of us for that matter, who we can get caught up into acting like a Christian and looking like a Christian. Love the story of a a little girl that was in Sunday school, and she's a little four-year-old girl, and and the teacher's asking a question. She goes, well, what has four legs and and is small and a, a big bushy tail? And the child says, after some time, says, well, it really sounds like a squirrel, but I think the answer should be Jesus Christ. (laughs) And they're trying to figure out how to look like a Christian, how to act like a Christian. But the point is how to live like you love God, how to live for Christ, like He has made a difference in our lives. And moms show that reality of Christian life. They show that reality when the dog has just knocked the food off all over the kitchen floor, when the kids come running in after playing in the mud and forget to wash off first and go plop themselves on the couch, when the kids are are fighting and, and tearing each other's hair out 
And mom in every one of those situations has an opportunity to show what it means to be a Christian. To show what it means to follow Christ. And that example that moms day in and day out follows Deuteronomy 6 of training our kids when they get up and when they lie down and and in every moment of life, that is powerful. And Paul here is using that as an illustration of ministry. It's about pouring our lives into each other, about living life together and showing what it means to walk with God, showing what we do after we fail, how we, how we confess and how we repent. It's all of life. And what does it mean to walk with God? And that modeling that comes from mom being at home with the kids is one of the most powerful tools that God will use to shape our kids. I think of Timothy again and Paul's instruction to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5. We talked about 1 Timothy 1.5. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul is, is reminding Timothy of the role of his mom and his grandmother. And he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. And he's showing a legacy of a mom and a grandmother who lived for God in everyday life and passed it on. Another story was told of two college students that went to hear a, a Christian skeptic, someone that just was speaking to debunk Christianity. And these two students were walking away after the lecture, and one said to another, well, I guess he knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? And the other said, no, I don't think he did. He didn't explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. And that's a powerful story, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't understand the, the, the foundations of our faith, and we should be able to defend our faith, but combined with the example of a mom and dad who have stayed faithful to God and shown what it means to, to live for God, that gives our children an amazing foundation as they go to college, as they enter life. Moms, Thank you for your example. Your examples in everyday life. It is noticed and it is powerful. Nurture that. Care for your spiritual walk. Dads, care for your wives. Care for them as they care for your children, as they spend more time with your children, often during the day while you're at work. Nurture your wives so that they can be that example to the children. What does it mean to minister this way? What does it mean to disciple this way? It involves sharing our lives. There's no other way. And that's dirty. That's messy. Because you're getting involved in problems of life. You're making uh, time commitments. And it's hard. But it changes lives. We need to minister like mom. So we have gentleness, affection, personal and complete investment, And finally, we see sacrifice. Sacrifice. It was mentioned earlier this morning. A mother serves with sacrificial devotion, often when no one ever notices. Isn't that true? And they don't don't care to have it noticed. It's just natural. It's part of their DNA. It's part of how God has made them. In verse 9, 
Paul is still describing ministry. He's still using motherhood as the metaphor. He's going to move into fatherhood after this. For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. Motherhood is a night and day proposition. That nursing mom that he talks about in verse 7, that's a night and day, that's an every three or four hours proposition. That takes sacrifice. takes devotion. In verse 9 when he says, for you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil, the first word there is about that this, was, this is hard work. And it has the idea of this is tiring work. This is tiring work. Second word there is that there's difficulties with it. It's, it's difficult. And so he's saying ministry is tiring and it's difficult, but it's worth it. Motherhood is tiring and it's difficult, but it is worth the future, the eternal souls of our children. And that's why you do it. That's why you don't complain about the tiredness. That's why moms have to be on their deathbed before they'll stop doing the household items and caring for their family. Kids rarely say what's going to happen when dad's sick. But my kids will say, what's going to happen? We were all sick a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, what happens if mommy gets sick? <laughs> Do we eat? <laughs> and I've heard a lot of moms say, we don't, we don't have time to get sick. We don't have time to get sick. That's the sacrifice of ministry. The sacrifice of devotion. The mundane and the routine that happens without any thanks. One teacher asked a, a little boy a question. Suppose you had a pie in the family and, and you have your parents and five of you children. So there's seven of you. How much of the pie would you get? She's trying to teach fractions here. And the little boy says one-sixth. The teacher says, I don't think so. There's seven of you. Two parents, five kids. And the boy said, well, if that actually happened and there wasn't enough, mom wouldn't take a piece. He got it. He got the sacrifice that moms are willing to make. The sacrifice that is worth it. It's worth it not because of benefits as we'd think of on a job, but because of those free hugs. Because of those smiles. Because of the joy of watching your children walk with God and do the right thing. That's what makes it worth it. Now again, transfer that to how we minister to each other because Paul is saying this applies to him as well. It applies to every one of us. If we're to minister to each other, if we're to disciple each other, it takes sacrifice. It takes putting ourselves out. It takes being uncomfortable. It takes doing things for someone else that we may not get rewarded for, we may not get an attaboy for, because a servant that does his job is rarely congratulated. He's done his job. But more than that, the sacrifice communicates that, that love, it communicates that care, it communicates Christ's love and His care and how He pursues us and seeks after us and he took the responsibility to do that. And he sacrificed his very self, his body, on that cross to bring us to himself. 
And moms, you show what that sacrifice looks like in little ways every moment of every day. And we all, as we minister, should do the same. Are we willing to sacrifice to disciple? Four ways that moms influence discipleship right out of First Thessalonians. Four ways that are vital for us to remember. The first is gentleness. The second, affection. The third, personal complete investment. And the fourth, sacrifice. A mom serves with sacrificial devotion. And I challenge us, let's minister like mom. Let's make sure that those ingredients are part of how we relate to each other. I'd like to end by reading a poem. Janine writes poems for us from time to time, and this is one she wrote for Mother's Day this year that just fits with this passage so perfectly. Investing her heart. With my first attempt to stand, I tightly grasped Mother's hand. And when my wobbly first steps came, she encouraged me and called my name. She taught me my first words to say and showed me how to kneel and pray. Of love and joy, she planted seeds and encouraged me to do good deeds. Along the road, she'd guide my way and lead me back when I would stray. She'd wisely from God's word impart the lessons that would guide my heart. She boldly challenged me to give my heart to God and for Him to live. She invested love and life in me so I could be who I should be. Moms, thank you. Thank you for exhibiting what ministry looks like, for exhibiting God's character to us. Let's pray. Lord God, You as the master designer have equipped us perfectly, have equipped moms perfectly and dads perfectly to to create families that bring You glory, to create families that, that start a legacy of young men and women that will serve You and follow You. Lord, I thank You for my mom. I thank You for my wife, who's the mother to my children. Lord, for their gentleness, for their affection, for their sacrifice, for their investment. Lord, I pray that as we as a church pursue discipleship and pursue ministry to each other, that we would remember those four things and include that in part of our DNA. Lord, that we would minister as You would have us minister. Lord, may the rest of today be a day that is honoring to our moms, that gives them a taste of appreciation, that gives them a rest, that builds into them. Lord, thank You for the gift that You have given us. In Jesus' name, Amen.